I think we've got a sound understanding of what people are really buying from us when they come to us. They're not necessarily purchasing a cup of coffee. They're buying a start to their morning or they're buying a break in the afternoon or they're purchasing a catch up with their friend or their colleague. Having a real understanding of your purpose and your meaning is the crux to the success that we've witnessed to date. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. On the podcast today, we're speaking with James Hennebury, entrepreneur and co-founder of Rosalind Coffee, a boutique specialty coffee business in the heart of London's financial district, and possibly the busiest specialty coffee shop in London. With a long-standing background in hospitality that's taken him from his native Ireland to Asia, Melbourne, Australia, and now London, James opened the doors to Roslyn with business partner Matt Russell in 2018. They now operate three sites across London's financial district with more in the pipeline. In this conversation, James shares the importance of taking care of staff and how success lies in developing a clear understanding of your true value proposition and delivering it well to your customers. Welcome, James. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You're someone that we've known at Allegra for a number of years now, but never had a chance to sit down with you and really talk about your career and how you got into the coffee industry. Good place to start, perhaps. I've always been in hospitality or events. Uh, I grew up in a place in Ireland called Kilkenny. We had this international comedy festival there once a year. I used to volunteer there. Even like when I was a kid, going to my uncle's rugby matches. After the match, we'd end up in the pub or playing there with my cousin. And it was just hospitality was, it was always there when I was growing up. I studied in Edinburgh, so I worked at a few Edinburgh fringes. When I finished university, I worked for a company called Live Nation in live music events. But throughout college, throughout my travels, I always geared back towards hospitality, generally working in bars. My father had pubs in Ireland. We also had Irish pubs in the Netherlands. I uh, worked in those. Then I relocated down to Melbourne, and there's that sort of well-trodden path of people going to Melbourne, getting into coffee, and uh, trying to take back what they've seen there to this part of the world. I started in coffee down in Melbourne. I managed to, to snag a job with Five Senses Coffee Roasters, who are one of the leading roasters in Australia, and worked with some incredible people there. And that really served as my apprenticeship. And then relocated back up to London, joined Caravan Coffee Roasters, again, another exceptional roaster, became their head of wholesale. That's where I met Matt Russell, and together we founded Rosalind Coffee. So um, when was Rosalind started? What was the year? We started looking for sites in 2017, found a site in late 2017, spent the Christmas putting it together and swung the doors open in February 2018. What was it about coffee? in the first place that got you excited? It's always been hospitality. It's what I've always worked in. Coffee-wise, I only started drinking coffee in my later years. I traveled through Vietnam. I did one of those things where I bought a motorbike in Hanoi. I drove it to Saigon or Ho Chi Minh. And um, it was in Vietnam that I started drinking coffee. 
And then, as I said, I went from there down to Australia. And once I got to Melbourne, started going to places like Brother Bubba Badan, Top Paddock, yeah, Patricia, these sorts of places. I was like, okay, there's something here. And it was something that I didn't see in London. Certainly it wasn't obvious to me in this part of the world. I always wanted to do something myself. I always wanted to work in hospitality myself. And this was the opportunity that I saw. So having identified coffee as an area that I wanted to go into, that's where I knew I had to brush up my understanding, my knowledge and my skill set there. But as a son of a publican, with that all that Irish instinct, why not hospitality and, and pubs and why not restaurants? Was there anything specifically that took you to coffee in its more purest form? The reality of that is that I saw something that wasn't in yeah. London. Uh, I have a background and a, a passion and a love for hospitality. And coffee is a vehicle to provide that hospitality. Yeah. As we've grown, Roslyn, we've become a lot more self-aware about what we are and what we do. So my business partner, Matt, he's from Melbourne and, uh, and I'm from Ireland. And Roslyn is fundamentally a coming together of the hospitality styles of both those countries. So all the attention to detail, high standards of that great Australian cafe, combined with all the warmth and hospitality of an Irish pub, that's ultimately what we try to do and what we try to achieve. The places that inspired us in Melbourne or places that we still go to today uh, around the world, great, great places like um, Hollybelly in Paris or Toki in Amsterdam, Black Fox in New York. These are more akin to bars. Yeah. They just serve coffee rather than alcohol. One of my favorite places in Melbourne is a place called Auntie Peg's. It's fundamentally a bar. It's a wine bar that yeah. serves exceptional coffee. So there's definitely that alignment between my background in pubs and bars and that kind of hospitality and how I've made that connection or how we've made that connection with coffee. So tell us about Rosalind. What is it today? How many outlets? We have uh, three sites, three sites. Now, across the square mile within the city of London. And we have 33 team members, including myself and Matt. Um, we have some more sites in the pipeline. Certainly for the foreseeable, they'll be within the square mile just for those uh international uh listeners uh, the square mile of london is the financial district yeah we're a coffee shop aimed at office workers really the volume of people in that area means that you know we can set up sites two or three minutes apart our guests in one site won't even know the other one exists yeah. there's a great long rich history of coffee within the city of London, dating back to the late 1600s. I mean, the first coffee shop in, in London was just around the corner from our original site. Yeah, It's an area of the city that, that we love and that we're prepared to contribute to. What would you say has been the kind of the key to your success? Because you, you and Matt have certainly put yourselves on the map in a very short space of time. Danny Meyer, he wrote Setting the Table. And I was lucky enough to bump into him in New York a few years ago. And he asked me the same question. And I was sort of put on the spot. Uh, but I think we've got a sound understanding of what people are really buying from us when they come to us, what people really want from us. I think that a lot of coffee shops in our industry um, think that people are purchasing coffee from them. At least in our situation, they're, they're not necessarily purchasing a cup of coffee. They're buying a start to their morning or they're buying a break in the afternoon 
or they're purchasing a catch-up with their friend or their colleague, of, of course you need to welcome somebody in with a smile. Of course the floor has to be clean. Of course the music has to be right. Of course the coffee has to be exceptional. And of course you thank them on the way out. Having a real understanding of your purpose and your meaning is the crux to the success that we've witnessed to date. How has that understanding changed since you set up and how does it compare now to, you know, having gone through five plus years yeah, of actually well, really doing it? When we opened, we just wanted to open a coffee shop that we would enjoy going to. That was it. You know, we didn't want to compromise on that. And if it failed on that basis, then fine. Um, and hopefully enough people would like the kind of things that we like and come to our site. And, and thankfully that's been the case. Once the shop started to become successful, then we we had the opportunity to think, okay, well, what kind of a business do we want to be, you know? Myself and Matt have worked in hospitality for a number of years now, and we've worked for some good companies, and we've worked for some places that haven't been great, taking care of their staff, the work conditions haven't been great, the pay hasn't been great. And unfortunately, that's all too common a story within the hospitality industry. And we very much wanted to be an outlier of that. We want to be a place where... Our team members enjoy coming to work. We work with the Living Wage Foundation. We work very closely with them. Uh, last year's Living Wage was announced by the Mayor of London at one of our sites. So taking care of our team, ensuring the equipment is working, ensuring that it's a, a comfortable environment to work in, we, that's what we strive for. We're not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you can always be a bit better, but that's certainly what we strive for. And then uh, like another cornerstone of what we're about or what we try to do is, it's quite a simple one, but is that we want to contribute to everybody that we come into contact with. So whether that's our team members having a better workplace to come to or our guests making their day a little bit better if they come into one of our sites, all of our suppliers should benefit from working with us. We want to contribute to our local community. So like that little pocket of London that we serve should ideally be a little bit better off for having a Roslan in it. And then also to contribute to the wider coffee community. We offer out our space to companies across the industry. It's just that idea, that mindset of trying to contribute to everyone that we come into contact with. Those benefits, was that understood, do you think, at the very beginning by yourselves? Or have you developed a, a better understanding of your role in creating those moments for your customers and stakeholders it definitely wasn't understood i mean we we just opened the doors quite innocently um but we had this inherent hospitality style i guess myself and matt from our years in hospitality the, the experience that we had there there was intentionality in what we did it's just been a case of trying to distill that into a way that's easily communicated to to new team members that come through the door and to continue that we've, as i said we've got more sites in the pipeline. So we have an induction when new team members join a team and it's about trying to communicate the purpose and the meaning behind what we're doing. And we've found that once people understand the purpose and the meaning of what we do, then everything else trickles down from there. And we try to make that as, you know, it's not what you put in, it's what you take out of them. We try to make that as concise as possible. We don't want to be handing somebody a massive book of, of all of our SOPs and our steps of service and, and all that sort of stuff. What's the key to communicating that purpose and meaning? First and foremost to your staff and then after that to your customers. It's the culture that we develop, right? And, and culture is not about, you know, workshopping something and, and coming up with this idealistic line. 
It's what you do every single day. We've had people come to us who've worked in other businesses that maybe haven't taken care of us and they're a bit sort of jaded and not all too trusting. Um, and, and we have to sort of build that trust. And my point is that culture is not what you put on some sort of a tagline. Culture is what we do every single day and how we demonstrate to our team that we have our backs. And we've won that trust over a period of time. Build a company where people can grow and can develop. We're very proud of the fact that our management team have all started as front of house baristas. Our current operations manager, Kylie, she started as a front of house barista, becoming a, an assistant manager, shop manager, and is now operations manager. And then that communication of the values and mission to customers, does that happen just by osmosis or are there conscious ways that you're making sure you get that clarity of what you stand for to your customers? It's something that they can inherently feel when they walk through the doors. It's not like we can turn to them and say, oh, we want to be a warm hospitality space or this is our goal or this is our purpose or this is our mission. They can feel it every day that they come through our sites. Community is very important to us and we've built this great community around our shop with our guests. Uh, we have a number of people who come to us saying that they've been in the city for you know, 25, 30 years with the first place that remembers their name or remembers their order. There was one particular instance, maybe a, a year in, year and a half in, we had these office workers that used to come to us every day, a, a group of sometimes five or six of them. And we assumed they were from the same office, but they, they weren't. They were actually from different offices around the area, but they'd set up a Slack channel. Slack being that sort of you know, corporate version of WhatsApp. And they'd set up a Slack channel called Roslyn. And what they would do is they would message this at some point during the day and say, oh, we're going for a coffee at 2.30. Anyone want to join me or whatnot? Each of our sites now has developed this sense of community, which is somewhat rare in the financial district of, yeah, of London. Imagine. So what are some of the challenges that your business or you as an entrepreneur have faced in building to where you are now? We launched, as I said, in 2018. Um, <clears throat> we had these sort of ambitious plans to uh, we'll, we'll go a second site within 12 months and all this sort of stuff. If I could go back and have a word with myself then, it would be just to chill out and take, and that's what I say to anyone, when you start out, take two years to understand your business, to grow, to get a bit more of a, a sense of yourself and what you're trying to achieve. That was us. And then just as we got to the end of that, then this sort of like freight train came through the whole thing in the form of COVID. And we just managed to navigate ourselves through that, at the other side of that. And, we, and as I said, we opened up side two and side three. Then you're into, you know, Brexit, the cost of living crisis. Yeah. You know, you turn on the news, something happens in the Suez Canal and your cups aren't arriving and whatnot. I heard somebody say the other day that if you've been a CEO or a head of a company for the last four years, you've got like 24 years experience. Yeah. The challenge is, I guess, fundamentally, our cost of goods and cost of service has gone up dramatically. And we can't really reflect that in the same way on our menu. Our prices have gone up, but nowhere near to the same level that our cost of service and cost of goods have gone up. So those margins have been squeezed. And I think that's a fairly common story across the board. How much of a challenge at the moment is for you, like it is for so many other hospitality businesses, in finding enough staff and keeping those staff? She didn't mention it straight away, but it might be that you have some magic there. 
I know it's a problem in the industry. Everybody that I, I speak to seems to be having issues with finding good team members and keeping them and whatnot. It hasn't been a massive issue for us, if I'm honest. We've got uh, a lot of people who are looking to join the company and we just don't have positions for them. And I think that's because you know, we've set ourselves up in a way that people know that we're the kind of company that takes care of, of people. Whether it's, as I said, I work with the Living Wage Foundation or just word of mouth. People want to work with Roslyn. We get all these applications, not just from the UK, but from overseas. Our, our turnover of, of staff is very low. Um, we're not perfect, but um, but we don't really have those staffing issues. That's incredible to hear. And it's good to know that there are businesses out there that are, are succeeding. And we, we take care of our team so that our team can take care of our guests. When our guests are taken care of, they come back and they'll drink more coffee, which helps the bottom line, which helps us take care of our team, which helps us take care of our guests and so on and so forth. Sometimes people say that, listen, you know, it's all well and good for you. You can pay the living wage because you're selling all this coffee. But the reality is we don't pay the living wage because we're a success. It's the flip side. We're a success because we pay the living wage. Yeah. I think that's the fundamentals of it. We got an award recently for it. It's not something that we should be getting a pat on the back for. That's the, it's the bare minimum. So looking into the future, do you have more sites in the pipeline? I can tell you that in 12 months' time, there'll be some more Roslyn sites within the city of London. Yep. We're not going to overcomplicate it, really. You know, there's a template there, which it's so straightforward that it might be even a little bit corny, that we were just nice to people and we make good coffee. And that's what we'll continue to do. We're fully independent. There's no money behind I think sometimes people will look at us and go, oh, well, they've clearly got investment and whatnot. We don't. Uh, we set up the business, myself and Matt, with not a lot of money and painted the room ourselves and all that sort of stuff. Site one paid for site two and site three. And and those three sites are now going to help us expand to further sites. Mm -hmm. It also means that we're not answerable to anybody. We're only answerable to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue to make sites that, uh, that excite us and the kind of sites that we would want to go to ourselves. What have you as an entrepreneur learned over this five and six year journey? I've learned to not drive at it 100%, no matter how uh, motivated you are or how much right. adrenaline you have in place. When we launched, I was in there from, you know, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then myself and Matt would talk about service afterwards. I'd go home, do a bit of work on my laptop. I'd eventually get to bed at like, honestly, at 1, 1 and back up again at 4.30 and drive that through. I ended up in hospital as a result. Yeah, they, they, um, they had to restart my heart at one point. We've learned to give ourselves breaks. That's something that's been a, a learning curve. We're much better at giving ourselves breaks and understanding the importance of downtime. And what about on the people side? Any learnings there? Myself and Matt have always been We've been able to bounce off each other. So we've been able to sort of take our frustrations out on each other yeah. rather than our team members. There's a couple of things that you always try to keep in mind. You know, you can forgive any error and any or any mistake that doesn't lack integrity or don't blame the person, blame the process. And that that's the a big thing for us as well. Like a big Sort of a, a mindset uh, is, uh, is is concentrating on the process. We listen to the same people that everybody else listens to in terms of your Tim Ferriss and Simon Sinek and these, these sorts of people. And the same things tend to pop up time and time again, like, you know, the importance of marginal gains, concentrating on the 80-20, 
these sorts of things. I can't walk into one of our sites today and go, right, guys, we're going to sell, you know, X amount of coffees. I want you to sell 1,300 coffees or whatever. Can't do that. But what you can do is you can make sure that all the equipment is working, that the team are taken care of, that they're not burned out, that you have all the little sort of one percenters that build up to that end goal and you provide your team with the platform to achieve that. James, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you very much. Pleasure. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or give us a five-star rating. And to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to access all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly coffee dose, our newsletter sharing the breaking news stories of the week. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, and sound engineering by Chris Brister. And this week's song in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project is She Lives Alone by Janae. And until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and stay caffeinated. Yeah.